This is Chasing Eternity, Season 1, Episode 10. Welcome back to Chasing Eternity. Uh, we are having a interesting Tuesday. Oh my, yes. Here in the month of June. Uh, we won't go into the specifics, but in lieu of me asking you how your day is going, I know how your day is going. Yeah, it's the end of the school year. Uh, lots yeah. of interesting things happening now that <laughs> summer has begun. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting tidbit before we get started. Chris and I have been talking a lot about our dreams, and for some reason recently, we've been both having a very vivid, interesting, very memorable dreams. It's crazy. And so it's been interesting conversing about dreams and you know what they mean and yeah. where they come from. So we've enjoyed that. Question to the listeners. Do you dream? And if so, what do you dream about? And do you talk about your dreams with anyone? <laughs> yeah. Because that can be interesting too. If you don't, you should definitely write them down somewhere because keeping a dream journal can be very insightful uh, and very interesting. Absolutely. Very interesting stuff. Absolutely. Anyways, so... Um, chasing eternity. Chasing eternity. Here we are. Let me give you the quote of the week. Let's hear the quote Adam, of the week. Are you ready for this? I am ready. It says, Only crime and the criminal, it is true, confront us with the perplexity of radical evil. But only the hypocrite is really rotten to the core. Hmm. Read that again. Only crime and the criminal, it is true, confront us with the perplexity of radical evil. But only the hypocrite is really rotten to the core. Hmm. Interesting. I typed in crime quotes. Crime quotes. Into Google. This is not something that I read in my spare time. This is like brainyquotes.com here. That's exactly what it is. I knew it was. <laughs> I sense your sources, Christopher. So And it, I, I saw this one and I was like, hmm, what does it mean? Let me wrap my head around that. So let's see here. Just like in dream interpretation, uh, let's try to parse this out and see what we can come up with. Yeah. So crime and criminal, that is what radical evil looks like. Evil. Evil would have to be... Uh, in contrast to good. Mm -hmm. It would have to be in contrast to the standard that has been decided by our culture, by a society codified in law. So law is good. It helps promote order. That would make anyone who would violate that bad or evil. However, interesting, it is not the evil criminal that gets the greatest shame in this quote. It is no. the hypocrite. Yeah. And how interesting that hypocrisy much like uh, in our day, was condemned by Jesus as almost one of the greatest uh, sins, if you would, because I think the hypocrite is rotten to the core because they talk like they are not a criminal, and yet they act like they are. And so the hypocrite may be the greatest champion of talking about the law and good, but in reality is just as evil as the one who is blatantly evil. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, it's interesting. Um, I didn't think about this until you were talking about... That's <coughs> why we have these conversations. About that, I know. Um, and this is why we don't say anything to each other beforehand. Of course not. So you, ev all, the listener, just so you know, 
Like we don't plan out our, our talking points. It's just show up and talk about it. And you're getting our honest reaction to what is discussed. And what you're saying, uh, bringing up uh, Jesus to this whole, how dare you bring up Jesus in mm. this conversation? Mm. But I just had this sermon about Pharisees. Um, and that was, I mean, obviously, anytime you talk about the Pharisees, that is probably the number one thing mm. that is brought up is their hypocrisy, right? Yeah. And um, their adherence to law as well and the importance of law. So interesting, they would kind of encapsulate this quote, um, people who talked about the law and the righteous things to do, but really didn't practice it. Yeah. Hmm. And thinking about crime and yeah, uh, I, maybe this has something to do with ranking sin that we so uh, often do in society today of like, well, you know, I might do this, but at least I'm not a murderer. You know, at least I'm not a rapist. Um, I think that that's where mine go. My mind goes with this quote of, you know, looking at, you know, the this crime or the criminal is the radical evil, but the hypocrite is really the one that is rotten to the core. Yes. And it's interesting, the idea of ranking crime, too, and ranking sin. We do rank crime. We do have kind of the system of, well, there are summary offenses, misdemeanor offenses, felonies, yeah. capital offenses. So interesting that we do, in a way, well, we do. We rank, and we claim that some things are more wicked and evil than others. And yet this quote says that all crime would be evil on its face. It would be the violation of what is good. And the hypocrite, again, is not openly evil in their words, but in their deeds they are. Interesting. Uh, and I like that we have started this discussion and kind of wrapping our heads around what crime is and the idea of standards of law, the ideas of accepting what is right and wrong, good and evil. Because today, we're going to talk about a genre of entertainment, uh, of human expression that is very popular uh, and has found its way into all of our homes through Netflix and through documentaries and through all kinds of things, and that is the world of true crime. Dun, dun, dun. True crime. Yeah. And to give our, our listeners an idea of what we mean when we say true crime, we're not necessarily talking about law and order. Uh, SVU, even though it's a great show, that's a whole other thing. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> true crime. We're talking about uh, documentaries or series that discuss real, in-the-world yeah. acts of crime. Even to some extent reenact reenactments of uh, of these crimes or the the trials and you know cases along with them. One, the one that I'm thinking of that is... Uh, very popular is uh, the FX one of uh, the People versus OJ Simpson. Mm -hmm. That wasn't it wasn't a documentary. Um, it played like a regular TV show or a movie, um, and they hired other actors to play uh, the people in it. And they did. I think they did their best to represent, you know, all everything that happened, you know, before the the case and the murders and during the trial. And, and afterwards, I thought it was, I thought it was done very well. Some people couldn't get behind seeing Cuba Gooding Jr. as OJ, <laughs> yeah, uh, because I don't know if you've seen the two of them, but Cuba is a lot smaller, yeah, than what OJ is. 
<laughs> but uh, when I when I watched it, I didn't. That's not the thing that I thought of. I thought Cuba did a pretty good job uh, in the acting department wise. But this also includes things like uh, there's a the documentary on Netflix called Amanda Knox about Amanda Knox, mm-hmm. right? And just recently, you were watching the one on tv there's i think it's on a channel it's discovery investigation something like that or true tv yeah um the casey anthony and that's just that goes to show you how how popular this is that now there are channels 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 that only cover true crime but you were talking we were talking the other day about the casey anthony Mm -hmm. one that i haven't had a chance to watch yet but Mm. i in preparation for this show i watched the trailer Ah. and i'm intrigued oh yes very Um, intriguing but all these things really intrigue me, so I mean, and that's why we're talking. Well, and they about intrigue it. all of us. Right. They they, <laughs> they speak to that eternal part of ourselves somehow. And uh, whether it's shows that target a specific crime that's happened, like again, O.J. Simpson in that murder trial, there are multiple documentaries that have come oh, yeah. out. I, it's amazing. I think that really just in the last couple of years, the the Cuba Gooding Jr. version, and then there was the. Uh, Made in America series that came out all about OJ, and these aren't the first ones that have existed just no. about OJ, uh, but there are other shows that talk about um, m- true crime in general, like the first 48, where you follow law enforcement officers and investigators through um, live, we've discovered this crime has taken place, we're going to try to get as much evidence and track down as much as we can within those first 48 hours, because mm-hmm. they're so pivotal in, in finding uh, a, a perpetrator, uh, or something like Unsolved Mysteries. And even though this one's a little bit more comical, uh, cops back in the day, yeah. uh, bad boys, you know, <laughs> hunting down the, the morons that do dumb things out in public, whether yeah. they're drunk or uh, out of their mind. But uh, these shows speak to something engaging because like Chris and I, I mentioned just a minute ago, there are entire channels dedicated to this stuff. Uh, you can flip on your television and find um, a documentary about this stuff. And even if not an actual dedicated half an hour or hour program, the idea of crime and true crime existing in our news media about, hey, what somebody you know was shot yesterday. This is what we know. This is what police are investigating. We see this on the evening news. We see it in our newspapers. So there's something about real life crime that interests people yeah. and draws our attention. And so as we look at that, unlike some of our previous episodes where we've said, well, what did you like about this specific um, artifact or you know, piece of art? Uh, this is more of a genre that we're going to talk a little bit about. So Chris, as we think about true crime, what is it about true crime in your reflections that really s- jumps out as something that grips our eternal longingness? I really had to think about this, Adam, mm. uh, because my wife asks me this all the time. I'll be watching a documentary. It was especially the the OJ Made in America one because it is long. Like oh, yeah. it is it is a it is a well done documentary. But I mean they go way back. I mean like decades and decades uh before um the OJ thing happened. Um to kind of give more context mm. to what life was like in LA um you know in the 60s and 70s and 80s leading up to the murder so there's just a lot of source material for them to go off of and it was it was very long and i remember alicia coming in several times being like why does this interest you Mm. you're like what 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 is it that you want to watch this and i was i told her i don't know (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. Normally on a on a show or a movie, I can explain it. Mm. I can explain it in a way of like, oh, you know, the story is very engaging. Um, or the, the acting, or I, I like this actor or this actress, and so I'm interested in their work, and so I'm going to watch this. But with the documentaries and true crime stuff, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. And so I really, I really had to dig deep mm. today. And, Did you find anything? Um, no, I'm forgetting. I need to look at my... He's holding a blank piece of paper. <laughs> this is not blank. I, I wrote stuff on it. Um... I think it has something to do with the fact that it's real. Mm. It's real. That's what I think for me, that's what draws me the most of that. This isn't some, some scripted story that someone has used their creativity to, to write and then, you know, develop, but these things actually happened. Mm. Like this is the order of things, and this is what the criminal was was thinking or doing at this part, and then it led to this, and it's just you know it's raw and it's real, and yet some of these cases when you when you look at them, it's like no, this can't be real, mm. but it is. Yes, and it just blows me away. And then even even some of the you know um, outrage of some of these trials and their verdicts. A lot of people are thinking the same thing. Like, no way. Mm. Like, what? Yeah. Like, this isn't real. This mm. isn't real life, is it? Right. They had all this evidence and this person still got off. Like, how does that happen? And as much as we want to write it off as fantasy and like, oh, this this will never happen. It did. And it, it continues to happen. As far as pointing to eternity, um, I think for me with the, you know, on that idea of that it's true, that it's real, this is real life. I think the reason why, partially the reason why this genre of show is so popular is the idea of seeking truth. Ah, yes. Seeking truth. I don't think, I'm going to make a statement that at some point deep down in all people, we are all truth seekers. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think I can say that is that nobody likes to be lied to. Mm. I can't think of anybody that I've talked to be like, oh yeah, you know, lie to me. Mm. It, it feel, I, I, actually, it feels good when you when you lie to me like that. Lie to my face, even. No, nobody likes being lied to. We all want the truth, mm. and I, I think that shows even a a even deeper truth about us mm. in seeking out the the real truth yeah and i think that now that i'm thinking about it you know that just that statement made in the climate today of you know fake news Mm. and you know that okay you know what truth is good for you it's very interesting Mm. and how these shows are are popular what about you adam what pointing to eternity i think you really captured my first thoughts about this the idea that you're right it's not scripted um and so there's, I think, a longingness within us for logic. Does something make sense? That's why we like good stories. Okay, yeah. Right? Stories make sense. So we want to see things follow some kind of order, some kind of beginning, middle, end. Um, and so there's part of that in us that want to know the story and that the story makes sense, but also to know what, what exactly happened and what the truth of the story was. And I think that does go to that, that desire for truth. Um, it's very interesting in some of these stories. Um, 
I remember growing up the Casey Anthony murder of her daughter and in this trial was something that I grew up with. I was not, I guess whenever I was very, very young, O.J. Simpson's trial took place, but I wasn't very familiar with that growing up. I was very little. Mm -hmm. um, the Amanda Knox story was kind of happening while I was in college, but I wasn't really following it at all. But Casey Anthony, I remember that being such a national phenomenon that at the time, I, it was everywhere, but also at the time, because, I mean, the murder took place, I think it was in 2007, but the actual trial didn't take place, I think, until 2011, so there was a really wide span of time, because the criminal, the legal system takes time. Yeah. It's not like Law & Order, where it happens in 30 minutes yeah. or 60 <laughs> minutes, and we're happy, we got a conclusion. And so what was really powerful about this documentary in particular, using this as an example, this one about Casey Anthony, was I got to hear from start to finish the logical progression of what actually happened. I got to hear the truth of that. Uh, now, the end result was she was found not guilty, uh, and the end result of the story was, well, I guess we don't know, you know, who killed her daughter Kaylee. However, um, the logic of the story, you know, is like, well, it seems like she did it, uh, even though she got off, it really seems like she did it. Um, even though we didn't get to be truth and the, the justice, which is something else I'll talk about in a minute, the truth of here was the evidence from start to finish, here was the progression of events, was fascinating. And to know that I lived through it and didn't understand all the facts, to be able to go back and watch and say, wow, yeah. I remember this little, I remember this random 911 call they played over and over from her mother, and I never really understood the context of that. Uh, or I remember that the duct tape was really important yeah. in this, but I don't remember why. And so to see it laid out in clear, logical order, it gave me the truth of the circumstances, and that, that was very appealing. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, the desire for truth is there. Uh, I think that truth is something we seek, especially in these large experiences we share together. I think what made the Casey Anthony story for me so powerful and what made OJ so appealing to others was that it's something that as a country, we all lived through together. Yeah. And so it was helpful for me knowing that I have friends, I have family members, I have random people I talked to at college about this. That experience that we shared together, it was like a, the ability to process it mm -hmm. uh, and kind of understand what the truth of what actually happened was. Yeah. And so that really spoke to me. And I think, like you said, that speaks to our spiritual desire to know what truth is. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, some people's longingness um, for truth takes them in... Um, different directions than where God would want us, but I think that desire is still there nonetheless. You bring up an, an interesting point, um, and I didn't think about this, but I've I've talked to people about this, about, uh, you know, watching all the OJ stuff. Um, I think I was, man, I think I was like eight or nine when the trial was going on. And I don't, as an eight or nine-year-old, you know, like you're not going to sit there and watch the news. Mm, right. <laughs> At least not, not this eight or nine-year-old. <laughs> I wasn't about to do that. Um, but I remember it, it was a big deal. All, I, all that I remember before actually watching the documentaries about it is that he was a football player um, and he was being charged for murder. And at the time, it was like, you know, kids can be so petty. And I was one of those kids of like, well, he's a football player. So obviously he didn't do it, <laughs> you know. Mm. But then going back, like you said, and actually watching, you know, looking at all the evidence and seeing these things play out. It's kind of like, like, how did he get off? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, how did he not get convicted? That's yeah. like, this but, is crazy. 
Um, yeah. And like you were talking about of like being together and experiencing this thing together, I remember m- many people both then and then thinking back on it now of like you know what being able to watch the verdict live. Yes, um, because this is one of one of the first or at least pr- I mean the most popular um, trial that was broadcast, right? And people were, I mean, it was like. It was an entertainment. Mm. It was an event, you yes. know, like we're going to watch the verdict tonight. Yeah. And people that weren't allowed to watch the verdict, you know, you think about shows in the 90s. I mean, it was it was a pun, right? Mm. It's like it was just everybody understood and knew what that was of, you know, we watched it together and we experienced this yeah. together. And I find that, that that's an interesting thing that our media does and entertainment does. Uh, things that we have shared together are often repeated, even if they are horrible. Yeah. Thinking of the crime of 9-11 and the Twin Towers falling, how that was nonstop on the news for months and months. It was just images of the towers falling, uh, images of the smoldering rubble, like this horrible thing had happened. And, you know, we, we all experienced it and we weren't okay with it. And I think that's the second thing about true crime or true violent experience like this that it really speaks to us. We have a desire for justice. Okay. Um, I think in lieu of 9-11, there was anger at who did this. We have to find out who did it. We want to go and, and seek justice and bring those responsible um, to justice and make them pay for what they did. I think that's why there, there was such violent outrage at Casey Anthony and at O.J. Simpson, like you have these these videos of of spectators and protesters outside of their homes screaming, you know, baby killer, you know, woman beater, all these horrible things that, you know, whether they knew that was true or not, like they were angry about this. They wanted justice for those who had died. Yeah. Um, and I find that, interestingly, there was another documentary on Netflix, um, The Making of a Murderer, that Steve Avery guy, uh, how it almost seemed like this documentary was created to bring justice, but in a different way, almost like, hey, this is a real-life thing that happened to this person in this town, but maybe the justice system didn't get it right. And as a result of that documentary, one of the accomplices or one of the people that had been convicted had their conviction, I believe, was overturned. They yeah. were let out of prison. Uh, and again, I think it spoke to this justice within us, and that was really almost an outcry as a result of that show of people saying this was not fair, this was not right, where is justice? Mm-hmm. And how often in the scriptures do we see the oppressed, the the enraged crying out to God for justice? Uh, in Revelation, you see the martyrs crying out to God, you know, how long will you let us suffer? How long does, does this injustice and this evil you know, this evil of crime, how long does this have to continue? How mm-hmm. long do we have to endure? Uh, because I think there's a spiritual longingness within us to eventually see crime or evil brought to justice. Absolutely. And that was, that's mine. Wow. My, my second one was, we want to see justice done. Christopher, we're like in each other's heads this week. I know. Um, I mean, that, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we're recording this. That is why we're here. Um, because we just like hearing ourselves talk and answer back to each other anyways anyways the idea of justice i think is is so important and like you i was going to bring up talking about this the public outcry of people that really i mean they didn't really know this person they didn't Mm -hmm. know the victim they had no ties to it but it's still like no this person is guilty Mm. they need to be punished Mm -hmm. and we feel like that you know 
if you've lived long enough, you have those feelings mm. of like, no, this person is bad. What they're doing is bad and they need to have consequences mm. for their actions. And yet a lot of times in life, that doesn't happen. Mm. We don't get to see it. And even in, I can't remember which Psalm it was. I think it's 73. Don't quote me on that. Um, I'm just a preacher. Don't worry about it. Hmm. Um, we will worry it, about it, it talks about it talks about how it seems like um, these wealthy, privileged people are continually getting off, and it's like the psalmist is saying it's not fair. It's not fair that they keep on getting their way. It's not fair that that they have all of these these things, and yet the righteous are being are suffering and mm. we're being punished and we're the ones that are uh the objects of the crime it's almost you get the sense of like okay the the rich and the wealthy and the powerful are, are untouchable mm. and yet the you know the the poor and uh you know underprivileged that's that's who crime is for mm. and it's like you know, it shouldn't work that way yeah. it shouldn't work that way but we see it all the time Yes, and, and that's the, I mean the beauty the beauty of the end story there is that God says vengeance is mine, mm. and that and as much as it's like yes you know we want to see justice done at the same time of us loving our neighbor and loving our enemies we shouldn't be celebrating that I guess mm-hmm. I, whenever we talk about this of like you know vengeance will be gods you know vengeance is the lord's i always have a a weird feeling accompanied with that Mm. of like well if they're getting what they deserve then maybe i didn't do my job Mm. in presenting the gospel to them yeah but it's which is interesting because that's that's what god challenges us with you know god is the avenger and so he says see that you repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all Mm -hmm. um Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for his written vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Um, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you'll heap coals of, fi- of burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's from uh, Romans chapter 12. And yeah, there's this, there's this idea that it's almost a natural impulse to want to react and seek vengeance for something that has happened mm-hmm. uh, that is wrong. Like you said earlier, no one likes to say, hey, yeah, lie to me. It's almost a universal truth as well that everyone wants people to be held accountable for their actions. And that's why as we have civilizations all around the world, regardless of the language, their culture, even the religion, there is a sense of if you break the rules, there should be consequences. And I think these shows really speak to that. Um, And so in looking at this, again, uh, it's a very popular form of entertainment. Uh, It's something that can be interesting. Uh, It's something that, again, I think really speaks to people's desire to know what truth is. Um, And, you know, I can't fault people for wanting to know the facts of things to come to a conclusion. Even if what you watch doesn't give you the answer. It gives you all the information to say, well, what do you think with what you know? And mm-hmm. that's what God does with us. God says, I've given you the information. I've given you the scriptures. You have the prophets, the apostles. You have thousands of years of Christianity here, and you have evidence and proof and truth. So here it is. Uh, draw your conclusions and come to know what truth is. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that 
as much as many people are as interested in discovering the truth of criminal activity, you would think people would be just as interested in discovering the truth of our very existence here. Mm -hmm. In my experience, um, people are. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of times people have preconceived notions or ideas mm. of what Christianity is or what the church is. And so it's like, you know, I don't want nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. You guys are the people that hate homosexuals and you're the ones that, you know, have all this ceremony and well, I don't have the right clothes to come to church and, mm. and stuff like that. And I hear this all the time is like, like your, your view of Christianity and what the church is, is um, in a lot of ways, you know, the same way that we view the world mm. and it's like no, no no they're all like this right mm -hmm. recently i went to this uh meeting about uh christians trying to convert muslims and i i was it was point out to me a lot of my own stereotypes and bias that i have of like no no, no all muslims are trying to kill us and they're trying to they're trying to blow up buildings and stuff because that's what they do and the speaker who was a former muslim shout out to wasam what's up um he pointed out that, you know, like, it's not like that. I mm -hmm. mean, there are Muslims are really just like you and I. We just they just happen to look differently and mm -hmm. they practice a different religion, but they are very devout and very faithful. And they want a lot of the same things that we want for our children to mm -hmm. grow up safe and to have and to be faithful to our uh, our religion and, and what we've decided for our family. Yeah. And it's just it's just interesting. Well, and I think that's a perfect example of how true crime can show us the flip side of finding truth. Yeah. A lot of times, like for example, in the Casey Anthony story, um, the defense, whenever they got up, I mean, you know, the prosecution got up when the trial began, they laid out all of the evidence. It was very methodical. They had the experts. Uh, they had everything. The case was airtight. And the defense did not get up and say, well, no, let me nitpick all of the details that you have shown are true. I'm going to present you a completely different set of evidence, like a completely different narrative. And I'm not doing that because I necessarily believe it, but I just need to promote reasonable doubt enough to make you think, well, maybe, maybe the facts aren't really the facts. And isn't that what Satan does to us today? Yeah. When you look at the scriptures, you know, and we read, we read through the Bible, you know, we're talking about like textual variants, for example. You know, we have the facts of the scriptures, these manuscripts were written down, it's consistent throughout thousands of years. And yet, you know, in recent 30, 40 years, you have textual criticism arising in um, the Jesus seminar of the, I think it was the 70s and 80s or 90s where you have people coming and attacking the validity of the scripture and saying, well, this wasn't really written by one person. This was written by four or five different sources. And we're gonna explain how all those sources clearly show that the scriptures can't possibly be what they claim to be. And you hear that and it's like, well, I guess that, I guess that could be one logical explanation. It may not be the truth at all, but it is a possible logical conclusion that yeah. someone could draw. Just like in the Casey Anthony story where the story was spun, it's like, well, you know, maybe the father abused Casey and maybe uh, this was, she drowned, even though none of the evidence said this. It's like, well, I guess that could have happened, but anything could have happened. Mm -hmm. um, Satan tries to give us evidence and facts that don't always sound wrong. I mean, false teachers don't get up and say, let me explain why my evidence is faulty. Yeah. Uh, they try to convince us with things that are true. And so it's not just examining the evidence itself, it's understanding the context and the background and, and everything about it. 
it's just like you said, people think they know what Christianity is about. It's just like I said with the Casey Anthony story. Oh, I remember them talking about the duct tape being so important back in the you know late 2000s, but I didn't know what it was really about. So am I an expert? Do I understand the trial because I heard one time, oh yeah, there was duct tape involved? Or, oh yeah, I heard that 911 call played a couple of times from her mom, so clearly I'm an expert? No. It takes time to examine the evidence. And not all evidence or logical conclusions are true, and we have to really safeguard ourselves against that. Absolutely. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this discussion of true crime. Um, and uh, what do you think? Um, why is true crime so popular? What do you think about the OJ uh, verdict or any of these? Uh, weigh in. You can email us. Uh, the, my email address is in the show notes if you have any questions or comments. Uh, a, a quick shout out to our host, Strong Church. Also, the other, our sister podcasts, uh, the Overcome podcast. The trend, as well as technically speaking, Adam, any shout outs today? Oh boy, shout outs. Um, I guess I would shout out to hmm. shout out to my mother in law for always being willing to come and join us on family trips. She drove up here on Saturday. We went up to Zoo America at Hershey Park and she said, Hey, are you sure you want me to come? We're like, Yeah, come. And she was available and showed up. So thank you. Thank you, Mama Don, for showing up. You are awesome. We appreciate you being in our life. Absolutely. And I want to shout out to my wife and kids. I'm without them right now, but they will be. They should be back in less than a week. All right. So life is just, it's not the same without it isn't. my crazy family here with me. And so shout out to them. Thank you for tuning in to the, uh, I about said overcome. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to uh, Chasing, Chasing Eternity. Eternity. Yeah, I know. I know where I'm at. I'm just checking. Chasing Eternity. We'll see you next time.